happening here, but a bit nerve-wracking, I have to say. I'm uh, generally someone with few words, and I hope I can keep them few this morning as well. Um, there's a there's a backstory to our, our travels. It's a wee bit like standing up here going, yeah, this is, this is what we did on our summer holidays, and um, yeah, but there's a backstory to it which will help us make a bit sense of, of how we ever ended up in Brazil in the first place. Uh, about 16 years ago, we said goodbye to our first daughter, Sophia, after about a four-year battle with leukemia that involved brain damage and disability and miracles and all sorts of things. And during that period, we received a lot of help from the fellowship that we were then with. Um, and that fellowship had established connections with churches in Brazil. And one of the, the guys, one of the families who, who helped us was a guy called Paul. And he had uh, traveled out to Brazil and met a young lady called Claudia. And they had sort of established a, a long-term distanced relationship by the internet and were wondering if it was going to come to anything. Um, so after Sophia's death, about a year later, we were expecting our second daughter. Here she is. Um, she didn't arrive like this. But uh, <laughs> um, so just about uh, within weeks of, of, of her expected arrival, we had agreed that Claudia could come and stay with us. We had investigated various other places that might have worked, but in a sense, this was our way of saying thanks to Paul because we wanted to be helpful for the help that they've been able to give to us as well. Uh, so Claudia was to come and live with us for, for nine, uh, nine months. Oh, we're jumping ahead here with photographs. So. Uh, they did get married, you'll be glad here. Um, and this is their family. Yeah, it's not me. Um, yeah, uh, so they live in Green Island. And uh, over the years, now and again, Claudia's parents, one or other or both, would have come to visit. Um, and they uh, are pastors in a, a small church in a place called Uberlandia in Brazil. And whilst they were visiting, occasionally the, the subject would have come up, would, would you ever like to come over and, and, and visit us? Dina would have been, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I'd love to do that. And I would have been, and you know, I tend to hide in corners whenever I'm in groups of people who I don't know. And uh, not really my cup of tea for a holiday. So it actually, managed to take about, what, 14 years or more. Um, yeah, and then we were discussing what we would do for our summer holiday this year. We had made some plans, and I'd managed, miracle of miracles, to get three weeks off in a row in the middle of the summer, unheard of. Um, and then those plans fell through. So we was left with a question. Now, I'm... I, I'm uh, an eternal holiday maker. I, I love holidays. I love just focusing and enjoying myself, and that would be my natural inclination. But for some reason this year, I was feeling a bit dry, not quite sure where I was going to. Um, and there's a couple of verses I'd like to, to share to sort of 
create a bit of context um, before I explain that a little bit more. Here we go. If I can find them. See, that's why I hate, hate technology, hate it with a passion. Okay, I can tell you the parables anyway. You know the parables. It's the parable of the, the pearl and the merchant um, and the parable of the, the treasure in the field. And the gist of those parables, as Jesus told them, was that these were things that were so worthwhile that the individuals concerned gave up everything else so that they could have those objects. And those objects were meant to represent God's kingdom, the rule of God in our lives, Jesus being king, everything else being put second. Um, and it's not to hold myself up that I say, I was looking for something. I wanted to say yes to Dina to offer her something, even though I knew it would make me uncomfortable. But I was looking for life, uh, maybe the sort of life that I haven't experienced for quite a while. And uh, that's why I eventually, after a lot of toing throwing, said, okay, we'll go on holiday to Brazil. And this is the story of what happened next. Um, and it was a holiday, uh, but we can't speak Portuguese. And there's a backstory that Melian may choose to share with you. Uh, but the long and the short of it was we sat down with Melian and Malcolm and discussed, yeah, well, this is just a holiday, really. Um, but for some reason, we feel it would be good if Melian could come with us. So I'll let her say the next bit. So I'm Milan. I'm Portuguese and I've lived in Northern Ireland for 25 years. <laughs> That's an entrance, everybody. <laughs> After over 20 hours um, travel, so that was very good. Okay, so I've lived in Northern Ireland for 25 years. I'm married to Malcolm, and we have four daughters. Um, there's, I don't think there's enough words to explain what this trip has really meant for me, but I'll, I'll try and get my best across. Um, I've always wanted to go to Brazil. They always held a special place in my heart, Brazil and the people. And... A few months ago, I heard Dina and Jim and Lydia were going to Brazil, and I was so excited for it. And I'm like, oh, yes, that is wonderful. I'm so excited for you. But that was about it. You know, I didn't think anything more of it. Then in um, March this year, Malcolm was um, leading worship at a prophetic conference, and someone had a word for him from God. And in the word, it mentioned wife and Brazil. To which Malcolm got very excited. I think the thought of a new wife in Brazil was what <laughs> excited him. 
Anyway, anyway, we all know God loves a laugh anyway. <laughs> so Malcolm was away to this prophetic conference and I was at home. And he texted me on the first night and he said, pack your bags. And my response was, laugh out loud. If you know Malcolm, Malcolm gets very excited about things. I step backwards a bit. I'm very resistance to things. I have to think it through, work it out before I move. And I'm like, okay, right, aha, uh -huh, very funny. Um, anyway, he came home and he said, you know, he'd had this prophetic word from God and he really felt, you know, really excited about it. And again, I thought, that's very good, but I haven't heard nothing from God, so I'll hold back. Thank you very much. Um, I've always wanted to go to Brazil and there was um, a time when, I think a couple of weeks later, Malcolm was speaking to Dean at the end of church and I had gone on home and they'd had a conversation about this trip and um, Malcolm said, oh, I'd had this prophetic word. Dina says, oh, do you speak Portuguese? And Malcolm says, no, but Milen does. Um, so from then on, my husband volunteered me to go. Um, <laughs> and this is how it all started. He, came ho he rang me and he says, oh, um, Dina and Jim need someone to interpret. Do you want to go to Brazil? And I just start laughing down the phone at him again. I just thought, are you having a laugh? This is not something you play with. Anyway, we talked it through, spoke to Dina for a very length um, amount of time. Just, I couldn't believe that would they would be so kind and so generous to let me come along on their special journey. And we didn't even know half of it by then. <laughs> um, so this is how I ended up um, joining Dina and um, Jim and, and Lydia. Um, on the way home from Malcolm rang me, he, God reminded me of two things. And these things are important to me, although they look very small. That was God's way of confirming things for me. So on the way home, God uh, reminded him that when he sent that text, he said, pack your bags, not our bags. Um, and also God reminded me of a time when um, about nine years ago we were in church, not the vineyard at the time, and a couple came from Brazil, from Manaus, and they um, just shared the work that they were doing there, the way they were helping the community and the children. And I just felt my heart breaking and I really just wanted to do something. Now, my children were very little at the time, and I knew that was not going to happen. I just felt as much as I want to do something, that is a dream. You know, it's and one of those dreams that you never think is actually going to happen. Anything is going to work. Um, so since I said yes, and um, with booked the flights and got really excited. Uh, a lot of things started to happen in our family and around us. A lot of challenges, a lot of difficulties to the point that up to two weeks before I went, I still wasn't sure if this was the right thing to do. I, was, I didn't think I could go. And um, one day um, I was just mulling this stuff through in my head and God just said, do you trust me? And of course, I said, yes, <laughs> yes, God. So I knew that although all around me, it was a bit chaotic, 
and um, I knew that God had all the details worked out. I knew that he was in charge, and that's when I just felt God's peace, and I realized this is a father-daughter adventure. I never had one of those, and I was time on my own, and as hard as it was to be away from my husband and my family, I'd never been away for two weeks on my own. This was the time God had set aside for me and him for that special time, father and daughter, and that was just amazing in itself. Um, during my time in Brazil, as you've seen, the reception, this was total strangers that I never met before. I didn't know them. They just welcomed me in. Everybody was just so kind and caring and just so loving. Now, they live a fast way of life. And I have to say, we were on the go <laughs> constantly, but it was so good. Um, this is the family that I stayed with. And it's funny because I have four daughters and I was a wee bit worried. I don't know how to talk to boys. <laughs> um, so I had three boys and all the time that I was away and I was missing my family, these boys just came around and, and hugged me and they were so kind and they did things for me. They knew how I liked my coffee, you know, all sorts of things. Um, I have to tell you, the first day that I arrived, and obviously I didn't know these people at all, so I was a bit nervous, but I had to say to them, I have a very two very important questions that I need to put forward to you before this goes any further. And the first one was, how many spiders am I going to find in my bedroom every day? <laughs> and you may laugh, but there was no glass in the window, so the possibilities were endless. Um, but no, luckily there was no spiders and there was no snakes. It was all good. <laughs> yeah, so this was a bit of a surprise. Um, um, yeah, I do, yeah. So um, we were we were there for a few days, and they had church on a Friday night and on a Sunday um, again, and they just decided, you know, Milan, would you come and share with us on Friday night? So I had, that's my famous poster. I don't know where they find that photo. It's really old photo, but, you know, that's Facebook for you. Yeah, this is um, on our first trip to um, the favela. So in one of my many interpreting op jobs, which was great. Yeah, and this is me speaking on Friday night. And as you can see, I'm wearing my um, Brazilian outfit. <laughs> and my Brazilian earrings. That's great. Um, yeah, this is it's a really special moment. We went to visit one of the um, crashes and and this little girl, um, she just came up and just started to chat to me, just, just kind of gravitated towards me and just everybody, we were just so overwhelmed by all the love of the children, the reception from everybody, it was just so good. Yeah, this is another interpreting session, um, which we will hear more about it, I'm sure, in a bit. That's me, yeah. So I think for me, um, what I wanted to leave with you is that um, God puts dreams in your heart and sometimes you feel it's a dream 
as in put it up there, it's never going to happen. But our God likes to surprise us as well. And um, he is so good. So just, it doesn't matter what age you are. As I've been told by my daughters, you're so old now you're going to Brazil. What? Um, so um, it doesn't matter your age. You just have to say yes. And I am so thankful that I said yes. And I'm so thankful that Dina, Jim and Lydia said yes to me and allowed me to come along. Thank you. Well, yeah, there, there, goodness, where do we start with all of this? Um, in terms of, uh, uh, Jim has told you where this started. It started many, many years ago. And um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was 14 years ago whenever I wanted to go to Brazil and, and I start, started harping on about it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but over the 14 years, he wore me down and I give up asking. But also there's a lot of other things happened over those, those 14 years and um, uh, that, that came into my mind after he said, do you want to go? And I said, yes, let's go. Then all these things started to hit me. Um, they would already started the ball rolling, would started asking, could we come and stay with you? Uh, the, the family could we come and stay with you and everything. And then I started to have lots of doubts. And I, but if every, every time God just said, just keep one step in front, take one step at a time, one step at a time. Things like um, I couldn't walk <laughs> uh, came into my head. I used to, at the time whenever I wanted to go, I was able to walk uh, on regular crutches. I could have walked for miles over all sorts of ter terrain, and I was a lot lighter back then as well. And I thought, Flip, I, I, I can't get around. I'm all aches and pains. My God, you know. And uh, then I started to worry about. Hang on a minute. Like Lydia was a baby, would have been with us all the time. Now she's, you know, a, a, a young teenager and. And I d I've heard all these things about Brazil and you see these films and you hear these things in the news and, you know, and I started saying, oh, am I wise? Am I wise bringing this, this beautiful young daughter of mine to Brazil? All sorts of things could happen, you know? And then, um, and then uh, whenever Malian was on board, I'm going, oh, my word, just say something happens to this lovely mother, this lovely wife. So, you know, driving into work in the mornings, it was a real battle for me every time. It wasn't just like, here we go, yippee, can't wait to get on the plane. I was like, huh. What have we done? What have we done? What, have we, what are we letting ourselves in for here? Because while we look back at photographs and it all looks rosy now, see before we went, it was pretty terrifying at times, you know. One of the things Malcolm said to me out there one morning was, I'd have her in a burka. Do you remember? Yeah? <laughs> Don't let her out of your sight. And it was like, oh, right, okay. So, ah. Yeah, that's right. So, so there were many. There, there was. So as I say, looking back on the, the photographs now, it was it was not rosy before we went. There were loads of questions, loads of questions. But like like yourself, Malian, it was a case of God just saying, just trust me, just trust me, just take one step at a time, you know. So so that's so that's that, that's how we started. But before we get just a where are we? Just the, the first. The first, uh, going to the first wee slide, and I'll, I'll be very quick because I could have you here all day telling you. We have so many stories. There's so many things that we did that we're not including in this um, because there isn't time, but there were awesome experiences. People we met, places we went to. Um, but again, re rewinding back to, to us saying yes, and uh, then having a conversation with Elanita. Elanita is Claudia's mummy. And I'd said to her before she went back to Brazil at the start of the year, so 
Are you in touch with many disabled people over there? You know, oh yeah, yeah. Anybody over there? What about wheelchairs? How do you how do you go about getting wheelchairs? Oh, it's very very difficult. And I says, so there were many people without wheelchairs over there. Yeah, there would be quite a few. And I says, well, you know, we're going out, so maybe we could maybe we could help one or two people. You know, trying to be drinkers or we drink a lot or something. I don't mind if somebody else has water, no problem. But my sad dry. Thanks very much. So um, anyway, so I, I told her, I told uh, my friend, and she says, "Listen, I'll have a wee fundraiser. We'll have a wee fundraiser." Um, she was going to have it for the children's hospice in relation to to Sophia. That's where she passed away. She says, "But we'll we'll split it between um, the, what, the wheelchair fund and and uh, uh, the, the hospice." So we had this wee this wee coffee morning, and that this was one of the first things that blew me away. Um, that that morning, um, I was expecting maybe sixty quid or something. There was one thousand five hundred pound came in because people fundraised before they came to the coffee morning. So that was awesome. That was mind blowing. Nobody was expecting that. Okay, so that was that was, and it was just in somebody's wee living room. It was not in a big venue or anything. It was just people caught the vision of this. Okay. So yeah. So, so. Uh, I was getting messages, mind you, from Brazil, um, from Claudia. Dad's, dad's identified two or three people. Right, that's grand. Daddy's identified six people. And I'm on the internet looking, where do you buy wheelchairs in Brazil? And I'd already been told it was very hard. So I was on, couldn't, couldn't, find, couldn't find anywhere in Uberlandia. Looked in that whole region. Nothing. It was on the, uh, where in Brazil do you buy wheelchairs? How do people get wheelchairs in Brazil? And I just thought, this is, this is really difficult. How the heck are we going to do this? And, you know, we'd say, like, definitely tell your daddy, stop at six, because th there's no way, you know, I, I was planning on maybe one or two. So anyway, I, I really believed, right, God, you're in this. You're, you're bringing these people to us, so you're going to have to provide it, you know. Uh, you're going to have to provide for these people, and I have no idea how you're going to do it, but I know that you're going to do it. So anyway, somebody in my work said, uh, about a few weeks before we left, somebody I know has got a wheelchair, they don't need any more, do you want it? I said, I give us it. Um, with a view, we'll try and squeeze it in our case, literally. <laughs> okay, I kept saying to Jim, will, will you get the toolkit out and see if that'll fit? I'll do it, I'll do it, you know. Anyway, eventually, eventually one evening, um, I, I, uh, Jim had uh, got the toolkit out, him and Sam took it apart, and I was praying, he believed I didn't, it was going to fit. And uh, I was just praying, praying, please God, let this fit. So anyway, miraculously, the wheelchair, we took bits and pieces off into the other cases, but we squeezed it, we squeezed it into the case, the, the main part into, into the case, as, as you see. So uh, I'll keep, we'll keep that, well, that we slide up for a bit, because there was a lot happened all around this time. This was about 10 days before we were due to leave. And um, I was sitting at tea time, rattling away that this uh, this email to this organisation that I'd heard of about 25 years ago, called Wheels for the World. Uh, it was it's run by Johnny Erickson Ministries. I'd glanced at it a couple of months earlier, but never thought anything more of it. And I thought I'll just rattle away email off to these people. So this was this was about 10 days before we got on the plane, and uh, uh, that 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 was it. I went three, uh, three days later, so a week before we got on the plane, I got home from work and opened my emails. And there was this email from this guy called Sean, 
from uh, the through the roof ministries. So it's all part of the one the one thing. And he said, "Yes, we would like to help you. We can send out a container of 130 wheelchairs. It costs five thousand pounds, and we'll send out volunteers, five therapists, and five technicians who will match the wheelchairs to the individuals." And he sent me out the full the full pack of what the the host organi- the host church does and what they'll do. And I was like, Jim was making the dinner. I'm going, we didn't hear this, we didn't hear this. You know, I was totally blown away by this. Then I was on the phone to Malian. Malian, we didn't hear this. I've just got this email, can't believe it. And I was reading it out. And Malian says, it's like the loaves and the fishes. You know, so we kind of have this hashtag loaves and fishes thing going on. You know, where we, 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 we put in what we could and God was doing the rest. Um, so I, I, I emailed this guy back that night and said, Brilliant, this is great, Sean, and we'll try and raise the 5,000. We've got some money, and we'll, I'm sure we could raise it by then. Absolutely great. So the next morning, I got up, and to my shame, I don't do my daily readings, I should, but I don't do my daily readings. But the next morning, I was half asleep, and I got my wee, my wee Bible up. What do you call it? The version, new version? And I had a large print, because my eyes are bad. Uh, and... Uh, there it was, loaves and fishes. That was my reading for the day. I couldn't believe it. And I was like, Jim, wait to hear this, waking him up. Jim, wait to hear this, wait to hear this. You know? So he's like, oh, I got loaves and fishes, Jim. It's all about the loaves and fishes this morning. You know? I think God's telling us something here. And then um, I, I, hap- I noticed there was an email from this guy, Sean. I thought, flip, he's up early. Anyway, <laughs> he's... <laughs> so, hey... I, I realized, uh, I, I was reading this email, going, Jim, when you hear this, he says, we don't have to worry about the £5,000. They provide that as well. And he says, they're, they're also offering this thing called Churches Inc. Um, and that's where they'll send out facilitators to work with church leaders in the area um, around how to empower disabled people. Um, basically, what it is, it's about... Um, teaching good theology around disability and what it means and, and how God uses disability, but also um, how disabled, how you can empower disabled people to be active members of the body, not passive recipients of, of support and care, but people who are there and have a, have a purpose in, in the body and, and how uh, church leaders can, can, can bring that out and, and can make that happen. Something that's really, really close to my heart, which is about empowering people, and um, you know, uh, so again, I was, I was absolutely just blown away by this, and then thought, flip, what am I going to tell Zach and Elanita? I know that it's a wee poor church, small church in a very, very poor district. This is a massive, massive project to ask this this church to take on. So I had people praying and said to Cloud, just says, don't don't say don't send that to them, just talk to them when you get there. So anyway, sorry, we lost my pictures here. I'm gonna start flying through some pictures because I know we're we're getting close to over ten minutes, is that right? I, I want my girl here to have a few words as well. She's she she has to <laughs> So anyway <laughs> So anyway if we move on to the next one, Jackie, yeah? So anyway, there we are in Brazil in the wee living room. There's Jim and Carlos uh, rebuilding the wheelchair. There were no spare parts left. I'm glad to say, you know, if you rebuild you build things, there was no there were no nuts or bolts left over. At least none that they told us about. You know, 
So I thought, great, the wheelchair made it. And it wasn't taken off as a customs or anything like that. They weren't asking funny questions. So anyway, again, as Malene says, in Brazil, you go with it. Okay, we, we learned, we very quickly learned that it's a bit like a child, you know, your, your child sort of trots around after the parents, whatever the parents' pr priority is, you, you trot around with them. And that's what it, we realised it was like there. You just go where you're told, you know. And you, you're told where you're going that day, you're told where you're going that evening, you're told where you're going that night, even though you might be ready for your bed, um, in a really nice way. And it was all great. There, I wouldn't have missed any, any part of it for the world. So anyway, we're told, tomorrow morning, we're going to uh, Gloria Favela. Now... I had, that was one thing I had said, God, I don't want to go in anywhere near favela whenever I'm in, I've, I've heard all these awful things, I've, I've watched things on BBC about favelas, I don't want to go anywhere near there, really, really scared me. So whenever he said, whenever Zaka said, we're going to Gloria Favela tomorrow morning, I was like, oh, oh, please no, you know, please God no, but he said, no, trust me, trust me, and I go, but I've got my wee girl, no, mommy. just trust me, trust me. So anyway, then we went to De Gloria Favela. So we'll get the next slide up. I need a wee, I need a wee drink. Thanks, my dear. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> we have like loads of photographs because it was it was quite a scary place, and, and went, especially whenever we first went into it, um, we didn't know what to expect. I was told whenever I was taking a few photographs, put the phone down because we were driving crowd, past a crowd of lads. He says. They'll just take it off you as you drive past. Okay, so the phone went down and I thought, better put these crutches down as well in case they think that they're guns or something, you know. Um, the big black crutches. And uh, Zaka had, had told us, put the windows down. And I didn't realise until we were out. It was so that people were, would know we were with Zaka because you just don't drive into a favela, okay? Um, because there's only one way in and there's only one way out. And the boys, the, the the gang basically that run that favela, who ruled that favela, instructed by the guy who's in prison, um, his his main man sits at the gate with his lads and basically watches who comes and goes out of the, the favela. Um, so as I say, we we always remember then to put the windows down and to keep the phones, you know, careful and everything. So anyway, um, so we we um, I got over it. Okay, I got over the fear of going into the favela. Um, because we started to meet some really amazing people in there. So if we go to the next slide, Jackie, yeah. Um, this was this was during our first trip. We met a co couple of the community uh, member uh, leaders there who were these amazing women who do an amazing job. And um, uh, we basically were telling them, look, this is what this is what we're hoping to do is to bring wheelchairs here and. And, uh, you know, the, the church had already, do already done three years work in that favela. First year, they'd had a party on Children's Day, and they, had th they served 300 people. By the third year, it was 1,300 people that they had served. And so that's how they had got the respect in that community, because they, that wee church, with what little light they had, they went out and they served, and they made their, their presence known. And they helped individuals who they got to know through the, these major parties, so I mean, so that's how they got the respect. The respect there. So that it was amazing to meet these women, and they were t totally taken aback by the fact that they knew that there were forty people in that favela that needed wheelchairs, and that we were going to try and get those wheelchairs to them. Um, so, yeah. Um, moving on. Um, a day or two later. Sorry. We, yeah. 
day or two later, uh, we were invited back again, um, this time to a, wee, a family who go to the church who live in the favela. And uh, it was, <laughs> I'm trying to going to say this without trying to burst into tears, but see that photograph? It felt at that time, it was like Jesus was at the party. You know, it was like he was somewhere just milling around in, in that, that environment. That's, that's how I felt during that, that visit with, the, with those women who made us so welcome. You maybe can't see it, but there's a wee tray of cookies that they made for us coming. And um, they, they had nothing, you know. Um, there, there's more pictures of them coming up shortly, but, you know, tin roof, you know, no, cur no doors, you know, bare lights, um, very little furniture. They had so, so little, and yet they were, they were the wee family who gave us gifts whenever we were leaving, you know, and it was so, so touching, you know, um, and we, we really fell in love with this, this family while we were there. Anyway, just a couple of other few photographs before I move on here. Um, again, we, we visited the, the, the crash. That was a fantastic wee day. Um, again, we, we were invited back again by that, that family. Um, a few days later, they wanted us to go back for lunch, and look what they made for lunch. You know, very basic, simple food, but they spent all morning, they'd been up early, those two sisters, cooking for us. Um, because we had we'd said the first time when we were there we wanted to sit outside, um, because we're from Ireland, we don't get to sit outside very often. Um, but the second time we went, they had brought their living room furniture outside so we could sit on their settees, you know. So, I mean, that, that's, a, that's the sort of people we're talking about here. So, again, I'm going to fly very, very, very quickly through these if I can find my, my own wee pictures here. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. The next, uh, the, next, the, the next wee set of slides. Yeah. So, we've, we've fixed up this wheelchair, and then we went back to the... the we, were, we went back to the favela again, and uh, by this stage... There was the, the 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 community workers had identified who was the part the person who was going to get this one wheelchair would brought with us, and it was this guy called I'll call him Ronnie. It's pronounced differently, but Ronnie. We'll call him Ronnie. Okay, and there's there's Malian pointing out and explaining how to use the wheelchair, and Jim's putting making sure there was a bit that actually did fall off it in the man's house, wasn't there? But it wasn't an important part. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so I mean, again, that was amazing. We got to pray. We, we got to, to pray with Ron, uh, Ronnie, um, who, who got his new chair. He's in a wheelchair, but it was a borrowed one, and it was completely wrecked. Okay, so it was such an honor, such a privilege to meet this man and to be able to give him his, his wheelchair. We prayed for lots of adventures for him. He hadn't been out of his street in three years because taxis won't go in um, for all sorts of reasons. Um, ap apart from the fact it's like driving up the morns, it's, there's no proper roads there. Um, so this man hadn't been out of his street uh, in, in three years, so we were praying that he would have lots of adventures in his new wheelchair to, that he'd get out and about more. So just flying on through the pictures, there's the, the next one's Jim. Uh, Jim preaching, he hasn't preached in, oh, I don't know how many years, so it was, it was great to hear him just sharing God's word um, after many years. Um, the next one is a, a picture of a young fella here called Matthias. We had, that was the, the, the one and only picture that we had got of, a, of, of, the, of someone who was in a, a wheelchair user in Uberlandia. So it was a real privilege and honour to actually meet this guy in, per, uh, in person. He's uh, got a severe physical and learning disability and his wheelchair is held together with bits of wire, plus it's also too small for him. 
Um, so it was lovely to meet him and his mum. It was such an effort for her to get out that evening to church. Um, so we were really honoured. Um, again, just plan on. We visited, um, Zach had arranged all this as and while we were there. We visited a couple of disability organisations while we were there to see what they could offer. And they're agreeing to partner with, uh, with, with the, the, the project, which was fantastic, you know, just to start building that network. Um, just flying on through them there. Um, you see one coming up there with uh, Malene interpreting. This this woman is amazing. Not only did did she interpret, she was our nurse. Uh, she kept a, a record of all the places we're meant to be going because it was hard to to keep track of it. Um, she was a photographer as well. He ended up taking loads of the photographs and sharing those. This woman's talents are endless. Do you realise that? Um, and she's and she and she, she's a great cook too. <laughs> But no, she's, she's actually amazing. So I don't know what we would have done with it without Malian. Honestly, God really, really used her throughout that. Um, so the, the story the story's going to continue. Um, I was, I was in, uh, using Google Translate. It uh, took a while, but we managed to, <laughs> to establish what the, the next plan is. So um, he's con he and Elanita are continued, continuing to work. The, the, the church leadership, I should say, had agreed that this project should go ahead we told the church congregation they agreed that yes this is something that they wanted to do um and uh, so the the work is the work is now continuing to develop he is now traveling around uh many other churches basically gathering up disabled people organizing transport to get them there we're looking at the church's conference happening in july august july august next year and the wheelchair distribution uh in uh 2021 so it's, it's amazing. I mean, a week before we got on the plane, we knew nothing about all of this. And then we come back, and within a couple of weeks of us going back, there's, there's a two-year project in place. How awesome is our God? You know? So, so say so we really wanted Lydia to... to to give her perspective on it. So I'm going to hand over to her. So uh, we, we agreed a couple of questions. So um, but she, she did say at one point she'd be happy to take questions from the floor as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Lydia, what, what was the best five minutes you spent in Brazil? We were in Rio for a few days as well. So just to get the perspective. Um, I think the best five minutes that I spent was we went and bought a doll for a wee girl called Jessica, who lived in the favela, and I don't think I've ever saw a child so grateful for a toy, and that just made me really happy to see her wee smile running up to me and all, getting it off me, so. Tell us what you, you thought of the family that we were staying with. I, I know I'd said to you, Lydia, you'll never leave my side, and then I discovered you were living in, living in the house next door, which petrified the life out of me. <laughs> but anyway, so tell us what you thought of the family we were living with. Um... I don't, they were just so caring and they just, I feel like they're just like part of my family now. They just welcomed us so nicely and I don't know, they're just amazing. And um, we've been very fortunate. We, we weren't mortgaged our house a lot of years ago when we spent some of the money and went to Florida, Disney World, Florida. We don't normally have that sort of money, but we had, we, we did it a lot of years ago and we were, we, we went to Disney World, Florida. And uh, so, I w just uh, so Lydia was there, and uh, w w 
we just wanted to wanted to ask if you had the choice of going back there or going to New York somewhere new um, or going back to Berlanger, where by the way, if you check it in TripAdvisor, nobody goes to Berlanger. There's nothing there. All right, it's a massive, massive, massive city. Okay, it's huge place, but there's nothing there to go and see, you know, so it's not a tourist attraction. All I ever heard from people is you go there for the people, and why did we know what they were talking about? But anyway, if, if you had the choice of all those places to go next year or the year after, where would you choose and why? Um, definitely Brazil, because just the people mean so much more than the places that we could visit. So, yeah. There you go. Thank you. You guys stay a wee minute. Um, there's so much, isn't there, there we could take from that. I just love everything you've shared. And a couple of things I just thought, when you said about, you know, that church has spent three years going into the favela, building up all of that, and that's why, in a way, this project can take off now, because they've earned the trust of the community. And I just thought, wow, that's kind of what we're doing this afternoon, isn't it? Just going into Carrick and cheering and being part of something so what happened in brazil can translate to carrick fergus let's just be part of our community and these guys went and they offered their loaves and fishes and look how god's multiplied it and i think we can take from that can't we we feel like i don't have very much to give god but give what you have and look how he multiplies it and also I was really struck by what Dina said, you know, it wasn't like, yay, we're going to Brazil, everything's amazing. Like, she had her fears, all these things kept happening to all of you that were really hard, making you think, should we even go here? When we step out for God, there will be opposition. We're not going to think, oh, this is so easy, it's going to be difficult. But they kept on and they pushed through and look what God has done. So we're so grateful for them this morning, sharing their story and so much that we can take from it. So I would like to just ask them to pray for us now, to pray that we would be able to step out as they had, give God our loaves and fishes and ask him to multiply it. So I don't know which one of you wants to. Oh, thanks. Our Heavenly Father, you're a God who works miracles, who changes lives, you're God who steps into places and circumstances where our imaginations have stopped working and we can't see how things can work out. Holy God, we ask you as we step out today and in the days that come in front of us, that we would realize that you're always with us, that you have plans and purposes that can't be thwarted and it you would use us as we are open to you. I pray, Lord, for fruitfulness as we seek to witness for you in our lives, in our words, and our actions. I pray that we would see all our lives changed and touched, that your kingdom would become more and more visible. I pray that for, for this town of Carrick, and I pray it for Uberlandia in Brazil, and I pray it, Lord, for wherever your name is honored, that your kingdom would come and that people would worship you as the one true God who deserves to be worshipped. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>